Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, welcome back. So today I want to take some time to talk about this concept that I, I lay out in the title of today's podcast. That a bet on gold and silver, it essentially amounts to a bet on the Fed, the Federal Reserve, or insert nearly any other central bank in the world in for the Federal Reserve. It's really a bet on them succeeding in their, really their goal. Now, their stated goals, if you look at the Fed and basically their mandate, they have two primary goals, and that is uh, stable prices, which the Fed interestingly enough, interprets as 2% inflation. And to add to that, 2% inflation as measured by the government, which has a huge incentive to, you know, under um, underestimate, you know, the actual rate of inflation. Uh, and, and then, of course, the other one is uh, low unemployment. Now, of course, the third, you know, stated mandate, unstated mandate that, that many people view the Fed as, as still being complicit in is, is a uh, to, to keep the stock market up, right? The, the Fed put to not let it drop too far and to, to help pump it up to new all-time highs. You know, to add to that, you could also say, you know, the fourth mandate of the Fed is to to backstop the treasury markets, not just the the, the stock markets, but also the treasury markets to, to essentially help fund the U.S. government, right? And, and, you know, with each passing day, it would appear that maybe there's, we can add another mandate to that and that, the Fed is really there to backstop nearly every market. But but I digress. The Fed, those are their stand, two stated mandates, stable prices and, and low unemployment. In reality, you know, primarily what the Fed is, is intending to do through their policies, their low interest rates, their, their quantitative easing, their, their money printing, essentially, is to create inflation, create inflation to, to fight this boogeyman of deflation that they're always worried about. And, and you know, maybe rightfully so. You know, I don't think deflation is necessarily a bad thing. It's something that's rewarding savers. Yes, you know, there's this idea that it could, you know, destroy labor and whatnot. And, and, and to be clear, the deflation that we would experience, let's say right now, if the Fed just threw in the towel and said, we're not going to do any of our interventions anymore and, and just massive deleveraging, massive deflation, yeah, that probably would be extremely damaging. Or, you know, to put it another way, deflation that would, um, coincide with an extremely damaging moment in our economy. However, if we didn't hadn't reached this point of of massive debt levels, which were ultimately enabled by you know a lot of it was enabled by the inflationary policies of the Federal Reserve, then no, it wouldn't necessarily be nearly as bad as a th- of a thing. But but it's this boogeyman for them. They're fighting this deflation, um, ultimately looking to inflate asset prices, and that goes into their their mandate of stable prices, which, as I said, is two percent as measured by the government. So you know more than that. Um, they've even stated in the past that you know hey we we haven't quite hit that two percent mark in the past. So you know if we go over two percent in the future, we'll just say well you know we're we want to average things out at 2%, right? Okay. Uh, you could say the same for them backstopping uh, the 
the treasury markets, the stock market. Ultimately, they want to keep those asset prices high. They want to inflate those asset prices. However, we, we know that though the Fed has been actually, I'll, I'll hand it to them, surprisingly good at creating inflation in the bond and the stock market. I know some people will say that, you know, like, you know, QE, low interest rates, that those create deflation. And, and I'll and I'll give you, you know, there's some there's some maybe truth to that, that, that yes, QE and whatnot can lead to lower bond prices and whatnot. But certainly I think we can all agree that have the, you know, the Fed has not, had not bought the four or five trillion, whatever dollars worth of, of, of bonds that they've bought. I don't, I don't know the exact amount of their balance sheet right now. I know their total balance sheet's in the ballpark of um, nearly seven trillion. Had they not bought those, then, then the treasury yields would be significantly higher. Bond prices would be lower. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, maybe inflation would be higher, but certainly they've been they've been inflating the bond price, the prices of the bonds. Um, they've been inflating the stock market, right? Inflating stock prices to to very high valuations, right? I'll hand it to them. They've been they've done a decent job of of targeting those markets without too much spillover into the economy. However, you know when you throw into that mix massive bailout programs and stimulus checks, and 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 tax cuts and infrastructure spending and you add all that into the picture along with potentially negative interest rate policy um faster and fa- you know the fastest rate of, of balance sheet expansion in in history uh you run into this problem of you know eventually that inflation you know you can fight that deflation as as hard as you want but eventually what you're going to end up with is is you're going to overdo it you're going to create massive inflation on the other hand i mean ultimately they're creating it along the way, depending on your definition of inflation. Is that you know the movement of prices, or are you just looking at the monetary supply? If you're just looking at the inflation of the monetary supply, well, they've done an excellent job of, of creating a massive amount of inflation. And that, of course, you know, there's the other hand of it. There's the other side of it. There's the the velocity side of things. But the point of what I'm saying here, the Fed. I mean, essentially, what they're doing is they're very um, did, in a very determined manner, for for ten plus years now, have been trying to to create inflation to fight this boogeyman of deflation, which you know part of it's deflation, part of it's delevering, etc. But but let's not get too much into the weeds here. They're trying to feed, fight this deflation by creating this inflation, and that goes you know ties back into the main topic of this video. You know if you're you know sort of. Um, betting on the Fed succeeding on that, then you're essentially betting on silver and gold doing very well because the Fed, yeah, maybe not success by their measures, but but success in inflation, creating lots of inflation, I think they're going to be wildly successful in the future in creating the inflation. Certainly, I think when it's all said and done, far more inflation than than any of them would would desire. Maybe not. I don't know. Depends on their you know individual motivations. I think they're going to be wildly successful on this path towards towards inflating away, you know, the purchasing power of the dollar. And the same is true again for the euro, for for the yen, the yuan, the pound, the Canadian dollar, the Australian dollar, the New Zealand dollar. The you know, and and we already see this to a very great extent. You know, a fair number of those currencies, or you know, if you want to go to you know emerging market currencies, the you know the Argentine peso. The Brazilian real, or or the Turkish lira, or I mean, plenty of 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 uh, damage has been done to those currencies over the years, and a lot of it's you know, fair fair bit of it is 
you know, their central bank policy. So don't fight the Fed. Now, of course, the, the point of what I'm saying here is that there's this idea in the markets that, you know, fight, don't fight the Fed. If, if you see that, you know, uh, an, an analyst or an investor talk about that, ultimately what they're referring to is, you know, buy stocks because the Fed is going to try and push up the stock market like they always do. So don't fight the Fed on that. But hey, let's not fight the Fed on inflation across the board, not just inflating asset prices. If you think the Fed is going to be wildly successful in creating inflation, then I think precious metals is where you have to be. You know, actually, you know, where I, I'd heard this, uh, I don't know, a week, two weeks ago, and, and I kind of filed it away, but, but then I never you really discussed it. But then I was listening to, yesterday, I was listening to Peter Schiff. I don't listen to Peter Schiff a whole lot anymore. You know, early on, he was kind of my, my go-to, one of the first people I listened to. And now it's, you know, I'll be honest, um, he, so I listen to podcasts when I'm, you know, sometimes working out or when I'm, you know, driving in the car alone or, you know, those types of things. Uh, but then also, you know, usually when I shower, my phone's you know, reasonably waterproof. So I'll, I'll, I'll put it up somewhere out of the water and, uh, you know, listen to a podcast sometimes when I'm showering. But when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But the problem is, is that over time, my speaker, you know, has degraded in quality, you know, probably a mixture of, of you know, working out with it, um, it, you know, getting wet, getting dirty. And then, of course, I have a one-year-old who, you know, I'm sure has chewed on it plenty, including the speaker. But long story short, the speaker's not as loud as it used to be. And so, you know, the person I listen to in the shower is usually Peter Schiff because he's so um, loud. Right? I don't know if boisterous is the right term, maybe too strong of a term, but he's very loud and, and he's one of the few people I can still listen to in the shower. You know, I like to think, I was thinking yesterday, um, you know, imagine being something like, okay, so he's a son, Spencer Schiff, bright guy. He's on, bright kid, honestly. He's he's young still. He's on Twitter though and, and he he's, a, I don't know, maybe a carbon copy of his father who is a carbon copy in many ways of his own father. Maybe not exactly, but uh, anyways, and, you know, you imagine you know, Spencer trying to go to bed at, you know, 11 p.m., you know, school night or whatever, 10 p.m., and, and and next door you hear dad, you know, talking to the top of his lungs, you know, the Fed is, you know, they checked us into a Roche motel, you know, whatever, Peter Schiff, we're, 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 in, we're like an addict and we need more of the drug, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the classic Peter Schiff analogy you want to use and, 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 you know, talking at the top of his you know, as loud as he can. and But but anyway, I digress. He was talking about this, you know, in, this idea of inflation. The Fed is basically seeking out inflation and they're going to, I think they're going to get it. They're going to be wildly successful in that, in that endeavor of inflation. Now, that's something I, I guess I wanted to, to talk about as it relates to precious metals. Of course, precious metals are going to, are, are going to perform well because of that. Now, you know, one of the things that I, I consistently ask myself is, how come markets aren't um, pricing any of this in? Why do I feel like the markets today are just really responding to even to this day to this to this recession and, and everything that goes along with it in such a I don't know a lackadaisical 
manner. This idea that unemployment has spiked to to a crazy level in, in a record amount of time, essentially. And, and the economy is still acting as though, you know, this may be just a minor recession. The Fed has it figured out. The, the Treasury, the U.S. government has it figured out. And there's nothing to, to fear. And, and yet I have to remind myself, I, I was reminding myself this morning, that if you look across the board, if you look at the precious metals markets, if you look at the stock market, if you look at the bond market to some extent, the commercial debt markets, uh, you know, corporate debt, um, commercial real estate, uh, if you look um, at the derivative markets, you know, this isn't the first time that they would be late to the party. You know, I think a great example of this would be this this coronavirus business that we're in, right? When was it that they really started to sense risk? It was, you know, maybe late February, early March. And yet, you know, for those of you that were listening to my podcast, this is something I talked about, by, you know, back in January, um, January 21st, somewhere in that ballpark. You know, by the end of January... You know, on a scale from zero to ten in terms of how concerned I was about it, and in terms of you know the economic picture, I was already at maybe like a seven or eight. But I wasn't the only one. I mean, who cares about what I think? There's plenty of other, you know, financial minds. Yeah, maybe not. I wouldn't say on the fringe, but not you know CNBC material all the time. But there's plenty of people out there that by the end of January were saying like this is going to be bad. Like a, I mean, yeah, governments have to start reacting have to start acting on this but b like from from an economic from a market perspective this is going to be like detrimental i mean look at what china's doing they locked down a huge portion of their country and look what it's doing to their economy that should be bearish enough for the global economy and global stocks etc but but wait till that comes to the united states and europe and etc and you know Basically, what you got from the other side was, well, we only have a couple cases here or there. And then all of a sudden you see, wow, it looks like there's there seems to be a pretty decent hot spot in, in South Korea. Japan's getting some cases. Okay, this is still just you know, Asia, though, just Eastern Asia. And then, wow, you know, Italy has, has a fair number of cases. And, and, and Iran actually has a fair number of cases. And, well, you know, the U.S. only has a couple, you know. Who cares? You know, the UK, Spain, and we, we're doing fine. And then, you know, before you know it, I mean, this is a, in, in a matter of like a week or two, the markets realized they kind of had this, oh, crap moment. And, you know, they sold off. But the thing is, is that the, it was very, you know, kind of predictable. You could see it happening in slow motion. And, and I think, you know, so often that's the case. And, and I think it's the case this time around right now. I mean, look at how can you look at what's happening in the, the, uh, the economy today, the high level of unemployment, um, and and ultimately, as well as low corporate earnings, and, and how that's going to factor into um, consumers defaulting on debt, whether that's credit card, um, you know, houses, you know, mortgages, uh, car payments, etc. And then of course corporations decreased earnings and and defaulting on their debt obligations. I mean, that's going to, to happen. It, it's just a matter of, of sort of duration, right? We're slowly, you know, reopening the economy, which is, which is good for businesses, I guess, um, in terms of their profits. But, but it's not like they're just going to get back to 100% or, or, you know, if they do get back to 100% in day one, that they're going to stay there. Because guess what? You have a ton of people that are going to be unemployed and stay unemployed after this. 
right? I saw somebody, you know, yesterday, you know, predicted double-digit inflation by the end of the year. I think that's what the prediction was. And I would, you know, I'd probably agree that, yeah, we're probably still going to be double-digit by the end of the year. A lot of these jobs aren't just going to come back easily. And then, you know, there's always the risk that there's a lot of places that are just going to take forever to reopen or or going to, you know, re, uh, you know, reinstitute some of these restrictions and whatnot. Again, I'm not trying to get political about any of this. I'm just saying that this is a reality that, that people have to deal with. And and again, it's kind of in like this 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 train wreck and a slow slow motion train wreck that we're watching here. It's just that you know there hasn't been like a significant moment yet. That's and and, and I think there's this there's this very strong notion that the Fed and the U.S. government and you know other central banks and governments have this under control. You know, we saw this massive stimulus program being floated. Um, I, I don't know if it ultimately got approved. Or not. I'm sure it did. Over in Europe, I, I want to say something like a 500 billion, over 500 billion. I think it was 500 euro, um, 500 billion euros to over 500 billion dollars that was uh, put in plan and in, in, in or put into to play in, in Europe right, to help things out, right? And of course, the U.S. is there. Um, several trillion dollars worth of spending and and several you know, trillion dollars worth of of QE and and lower interest rates and a lot of other countries and central banks have have done the same thing and I think there's this notion that well you know they can fix this problem um, I, I think we knew from the get go that that money is not going to at all be equivalent to a a, a good cure a therapeutic um, a vaccine or you know, the elimination of the virus from, from a population. Uh, nor is that going to, to just, you know, fix the unemployment that in many places is, is mandated by the government, right? It's, and so, I mean, there's only so much you can do with that policy. You, you can hand out money to people and businesses to keep them afloat. Now, again, I've talked about this in the past. You're just shifting the debt load then to the federal government. But you can maybe soften soften the, the ultimate blow of, of huge default rates and, and lower earnings and whatnot. But again, you're just shifting that to the federal government. And and what you get is, is higher inflation from the Fed buying and, and that of which actually makes it to the marketplace and, or stays in the marketplace, you know, doesn't end up in the Fed's hands. I mean, you're just, that's trillions of dollars of, of you know, capital that's just going to be sitting in in treasuries, you know, the feds, you know, federal government's already spent that money. I, it's just, it, it's just a bleak outlook, right? And ultimately, you know, the duration of this crisis has been long enough that that another um, round of, I think, you know, kind of crisis is going to come along sooner than later. And and markets are are acting incredibly complacent about that risk. I mean, you see them, you know, what, what's happened? What has moved markets this week, right? We had news that this really um, poorly, I think, vetted you know, vaccine trial with eight participants showed some positive results. And, and hey, maybe it is positive. Maybe this, maybe this is our ticket. I tend to be doubtful, but maybe it is. But you saw the whole market rally on it, and then it turns out that maybe it wasn't quite all it was hyped up to be, and the market moved back down again. Right. Um, you know, the market's starting to focus on things like, you know, the trade deal or the trade war. I mean, trade war is basically back on at this point. Right. And yeah, it's not a bad thing that they're focusing on this on that. But but it's sort of um, 
dare I say, on the periphery. Maybe long term it's it's a big deal, but right now we're still dealing with with massive in, in, uh, unemployment. I mean, it's all, it's almost like uh, <laughs> like the the, the I, you almost wonder if the federal government, you know, the the administration is kind of saying, well, look at this trade war. Let's let's go back to this thing that we we strung along the markets on for like a year and a half, dating all the way back to 2018. You know this idea of progress in this trade war, and 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 let's talk about that for a while because that worked on keeping markets higher and higher and higher on really a lack of substantial developments, and and let's make that one of the main focuses of the market versus the massive, just almost a, uh, apocalyptic is too strong of a word, but but this massive downturn in the u.s economy that we're still living through right now right let's instead focus on um you know maybe vaccines in this perspective vaccines would be the right thing to focus on than than a than a trade war i mean yeah 10 years from now this trade war you know or maybe lack thereof or whatever like that, that's gonna be a big deal but let's focus on the double digit you know 20 30 percent whatever un- unemployment that we're dealing with right now the massive um, increase in debt in the system the mass money easing by the Fed, um, the high risk of, of just crisis, whether it's from CLOs or from uh, uh, in the mortgage markets, or 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 if it's from you know banks, or, or just broadly speaking, decline in earnings or whatever. I mean, the corporate debt markets, you know, these these companies shifting from from um, you know investment grade to to junk bond status. I mean there's so many other potential crises and people focus on on the trade war like it's like 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 things haven't changed since December 2019. And yet we know that this is like I mean that's like if if you were back in 2008 2009 in the midst of the the great recession you're a market watcher, you're an analyst, whatever and and you're focusing on um gosh Who's Obama going to pick as his running mate? I guess, you know, in, in 2008, he'd already picked that. You know, who's going to win this specific seat? And, you know, it's a, it's, it was an election year back then, too. You know, and, and yeah, those are, you know, somewhat important and certainly was important. Who, you know, was it McCain or was it Obama that was going to get elected? But when it's all said and done, um, <laughs> seemed kind of minor, that kind of minutiae compared to, fact that we were in the deepest recession we'd been in since the Great Depression, right? And we're in that same situation right now, um, incredibly complacent market right now, incredibly emotional market, and and they're just missing the boat on on this crisis that's been staring them in the face. They're, they're totally aware, unlike uh, the coronavirus, um, pre-coronavirus, you know, before the, the crash in March and whatnot, um, there, there was a lot of complacency, but but there was this idea in people's minds: yeah, it won't be that bad, right? I, I don't need to prepare for that. It won't be that bad. It won't, you know, this idea that um, you know, what's happening in China could never happen to the rest of the world or the U.S. or whatever, and then it did, right? It was they were in denial, and and now I don't even know what to call it because how can you deny this? Maybe what they're in denial of is the fact that this isn't going to be a V-shaped recovery. This isn't going to, you know, things aren't just going to go back to normal in July and unemployment's going to drop back to, you know, below 5% or below 4% or whatever it was at, you know. 
No, irreparable damage has been done to the U.S. financial system, to the economy, largely as a result of, of the Fed and the federal government. I mean, you could argue it's all the Fed because the federal government's enabled by the Fed and their their debt monetization powers. But but things aren't just going to go back to normal. It's not just hunky dory here. This is you know the one of the greatest downturns we'll see in our lifetime, and and we're only in the first act, guys. Okay, so that's the crazy part is. We're only a couple months into Again, we're talking March. That's when the markets really crashed. That's when a lot of lockdowns started to happen here in the United States. Um, and, and we're only you know, a little more than halfway through May. Uh, we're talking a little over you know, two months, roughly, into this. Um, Recession-wise, this is, I think, can be several, several years long in terms of just this economic malaise. I don't know if it's always going to be classified as a recession or depression along the way. There might be decent periods of growth, but it's going to be be the weakest recovery we have ever seen, I think, Um, or at least in the last 100 years. Um, I think potentially as worse, if not worse, than the Great Depression. And it's going to go far beyond this COVID-19 stuff. Far beyond that. It's it's going to... um, you know that that ultimately will will clear up one way or another, right? Whether it's herd immunity or we just continue with lockdowns or or vaccine or therapeutic or I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work its way out, but it it will. I'm, I'm confident of that. It, it may be you know twelve months or eighteen months. I don't know, but it won't be five years or ten years. Um, and and uh, and it could be much much shorter than twelve or eighteen months, of course. That's going to work its way out, but we're going to be left with this economic malaise that's going to stick around for much, much longer. So as always, I'd like to thank every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast, and God bless.